Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The first reading is from the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say, every one among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one in the body of Christ. And individually we are members of one another, We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exalter in exaltation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of the God. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. So before we get into today's scripture readings, let me say that it's good to be back with you today for worship. I spent last weekend with Lighthouse Youth, you can see some of our group in the picture, learning about hunger. We had a great time serving a meal, packing food. Even our time of fasting, I think, went really well. In fact, this is the first time I've done a 24-hour famine, and I've done several of them, when I don't recall anyone complaining about how hungry they were. It was kind of strange. So we'll have a video to show you in a few weeks, but it was a great experience, and it's good to be back. In the meantime, some of you I know were here last week for an excellent sermon from Pastor Wendy Worthbrock, and she was looking at the question of who God's mercy is for. And I listened on Tuesday to the sermon podcast, and I'm serious, you got a much better message from her than you would have from me if I were here. 
If you weren't here, go to the church website, listen to the message, it's worth it. One of the main points that Pastor Wendy made in her sermon is that God's mercy extends beyond one chosen group of people. And for a while in history, of course, we know the story of God's salvation centered on the Jewish people, God's chosen people. But eventually, Jesus' ministry, and especially after Easter, as the church grew, it became clear that God was doing something new. God was extending salvation, extending God's mercy to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, people like you and I as well. So that today, we can gather here this morning and we can proclaim God's grace and love are for everyone. Everyone is invited into God's salvation. All are welcome at the Lord's table. In today's first reading from Romans, Paul talks about how the church is one body. We're unified in Christ. We'll come back to that part in a minute. But even though we're one body, he says, we're not all the same. And that song, I think, gave a really good analogy for that, a good explanation. We come from different backgrounds, with different experiences, different expectations. We grew up in different communities. We have different gifts and talents. And Paul, in that reading, lifts up a few particular gifts, and we have people in this church who are gifted in teaching and leading and generosity, encouragement, all the rest. And all of those gifts and all the other gifts we have come from the Holy Spirit, and the church needs all of those gifts. Our unity as a church, then, begins with baptism. And here at Christ the King, we are celebrating Ellie Nystrom's baptism this morning. I'm excited. This is the first baptism I've gotten to do in this space, in this building. So I'm excited. And every time that I get to do a baptism, I have done baptisms before, I meet with the family ahead of time so that we can talk about what baptism is, what it means, what the service looks like. And one of the primary things that I try to impress on families is that baptism is a beginning. It's an entrance rite. When you're baptized, you become a member of the church. And I don't just mean this particular congregation of Christ the King. That's true as well. I mean a member of the capital C church, the church universal. Baptism is the tangible, physical sign of joining the body of Christ. It's a means of grace. It's a channel through which God works to gather us together. God works to transform us into that one body that Paul is describing. And of course, we don't lose our individuality. We don't lose our particular gifts and character. This church has a lot of characters. But baptism calls us to conform ourselves to God's will, to put Jesus in first place in our lives, to put God's will before our own will, before our own desires. Baptism changes our perspective. Some of you might know that I'm a huge fan of Apple, Apple products, Apple computers. I think we got our first Mac when I was about seven years old after the IBM we had started smoking and were up in flames. Maybe that had an influence. But I've used Apple computers basically my entire life. And maybe you remember in the late 90s, shortly after Steve Jobs rejoined the company, Apple had this famous marketing campaign titled Think Different. And it did this whole series of posters 
with famous inventors and artists and entertainers, teachers, people who in some way did not fit into society's norms. And the ad text, if you watch the TV commercial, talks about the misfits and the rebels and the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently, the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world and then actually do change the world. That's not a bad explanation of what it means to be baptized. In baptism, we are claimed by God. We are marked as belonging to God, made members of Christ's body. So if you are baptized, you no longer belong to this world. We are set apart as God's people. We are called to live differently, to think different. We're called to see the world from a new perspective, to see the world, to see our neighbors through God's eyes. Rather than worrying about how to fit into this world and caring about the things this world says are so important, like how much money you make and how popular you are, what your job title is, that sort of thing, we are transformed. We are transformed to be more like Jesus. We are called to be more loving, caring, more compassionate, to live with kindness, gentleness, patience, all those gifts of the Holy Spirit. So what does it look like to live your life as a Christian, to be transformed by God rather than conforming to this world? There's all sorts of examples we can look to from saints throughout the ages. And I don't mean those official saints that you can buy bookmarks of them or something. I mean saints, all of God's people, claimed in baptism, gathered together. Maybe it looks like Mother Teresa living a life of poverty to help the poorest of the poor in India. Or Dietrich Bonhoeffer founding an underground church in Germany to resist Hitler's Nazi ideology. Brother Andrew, known for smuggling Bibles, carrying God's word into communist countries. Daniel Berrigan, a Jesuit priest in our own country who served prison time for anti-war protests, for working for peace. Rich Mullins, a Christian musician who donated all of his tour and album profits for his career beyond the average salary of a laborer. 78-year-old Norma Thornton of Bullhead City, Arizona, who was arrested in March 2022, for the crime of distributing free food to homeless people in a public park, motivated by Jesus' command to love your neighbors. People who a few decades ago looked at this community, recognized the need for a new church, and invested of themselves and took the step of faith to found this new congregation. How does your life look different because you believe in Jesus? Where is God calling you to think to live differently? In two weeks, on September 10th, we'll be starting a five-week series exploring how you and I are called to practice our faith in response to God's claim on our lives. So each week, we'll look at one of the promises that we'll hear shortly in the baptismal covenant. Live among God's faithful people. Hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper. Proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed. Serve all people following the example of our Lord Jesus. Strive for justice and peace in all the earth. The life of the baptized, the life of the whole church, 
is shaped around those covenants. Beloved, you belong to Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. And when God's people, with all of their diverse gifts, with all of their diverse talents and experiences, gather together, you get a church. Because that's what a church is, right? It's not a building or an institution or a service club. The church is God's people gathered and sent. You and I doing our best to live as the body of Christ, growing in faith, seeking to live out God's will, using those diverse gifts and talents to build God's kingdom, living out that covenant. Sarah and Christopher, Jordan and Patrick, as godparents, even if you're on the other side of the world watching this, either, I don't know if you're watching now or later, Jerry and Kathy, it's your job to make sure that Ellie knows as she grows up that she belongs to a faith community. Whether it's here or in Illinois or wherever life takes her, raise her to know that she has been claimed by God in baptism. Teach her not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to know her heavenly Father. As God's people, we are all claimed by God. We are united in baptism, and we're also united by our confession of faith, that same confession of faith, that same bold claim that Peter makes in our gospel story. So with Peter, we boldly confess, we claim that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of the living God. And the church, Jesus says, the body of Christ, is built on that confession of faith. And it is a radical confession. It is an audacious statement to look around this world and claim that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God with us. Jesus is our Savior, the ruler of our lives. And I want to point out one of the little details in the story that there's a good chance you missed. Did you catch at the beginning where Jesus and his disciples are, where the story is happening? Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, now, when Jesus came into the region, the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples what people were saying about him, and they have this conversation. So do you remember, think back to the Christmas story. Do you remember King Herod, Herod the Great? He's the one who's so threatened by the birth of Jesus that he has this whole bunch of baby boys around Bethlehem killed because he's so desperate to hang on to power. That King Herod, Herod the Great, had given a region of land to his son, Philip, and Philip used it to build a city, which he named in honor of the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, and he named it Caesarea Philippi. Literally, it means Philip's Caesar, Philip's place of honoring Caesar. So the next picture here is what's left of Philip's palace. You can go see it today. And this is the region that Jesus and his disciples are in. They're in this place symbolizing the Roman Empire's power, a city designated, dedicated to Caesar Augustus, who had himself claimed son of God as one of his own titles. So in this place, 
Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answer him, John the Baptist, and some people think you're Elijah, and still others, others think you're you know, a great prophet in the tradition of all of our prophets. The world has lots of opinions about Jesus, right? And then Jesus asks them directly, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers him, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This is our answer as well. As a church, we are united by this claim that the rabbi Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, is the Son of God, is our Savior. As God's people, we have the audacity to publicly declare that Jesus is our Lord, not just a great moral teacher or some historical role model, but here and now, our Lord, our ruler, is alive. Jesus is alive today and present among us, calling us to follow him as disciples, calling us to allow him to be our Lord, to be the ruler of our lives. This Jesus, who is God with us, has claimed you in the waters of baptism, united us as his body in the world. And so our ultimate authority is not Caesar. It's not some earthly government of the United States or any other earthly nation. Our loyalty is to our living Lord Jesus. You belong to Christ. May God's claim on you transform your life today and always. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.